All right, good morning. There you are. Sometimes my pack gives out, but, uh, <clears throat> well, I am not Pastor Jim Welch. <laughs> Surprise. Uh, my name is Andrew, uh, if this is your first time or you're joining us today. I am the uh, student ministry pastor, and uh, I just want to say welcome. We're glad to have you here, uh, glad to have you tuning in. Uh, not outside today, it was kind of wet, so, but we're happy to have you here uh, on such a special day. And, and we are continuing on with this series that we have been doing called Joyful. Um, and it, it seems uh, right and natural for this series to go through Mother's Day. Um, because I feel like uh, uh, as an adult, I've been able to now realize all the small ways that my mother has, has, has worked to bring joy into my life that truthfully I just did not realize or appreciate as a child. And so now I was, I've been able to experience that a little more. And, and I get the unique joy, um, well, maybe not unique, but I, the unique joy of having now two mothers um, and having them both so close um, and having one here at church who constantly will on Wednesday check in on me and say, hey, I'm on my way to the church. Can I pick you up food? And I'll always say, thanks, mom. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you came through again. And so it, it, this, it feels right for this to happen. But what, what we're really doing right now is we're diving into Philippians. Um, and we're looking at what's going on within Philippians and this theme of joy that is um, coming out throughout it. Um, but as we get started, see, what I want to look at today, and what, what's kind of one of the overarching themes that we're going to look at today, uh, is mindset, a, a mindset. And, and as I began thinking about that, and as I began thinking about mindset, I, I began thinking about the mindset that's been the clearest in my life. Um, and actually, my own mother helped me remember this. And so in my family, we have uh, this term that my mother has coined called vacation bill. So my dad, if you don't know, his, his name is Bill. Um, he is very smart and frugal and cautious with his money, generally. You know, he, he doesn't like to, to, to buy nice things for himself, you know, for others, but he doesn't like to buy nice things for himself. Um, he, he, he bought himself a brand new used 10-year-old rundown forerunner as his car. You know, he, he's probably, I can't remember exactly, but I'm sure he's uttered the phrase, we have McDonald's at home. He's been this kind of cautious person until vacation bill appears. Because when you get that man on vacation, all of a sudden that, that mindset of we got to be smart. We don't need to do too much. We don't need to be lavish. All of a sudden, he turns into Oprah. Right? <laughs> it's just you get a car, you get a car, you get a tip, you get a tip, whatever. It's, money is out and flying, and it's like we don't have that, but here it is. That's his moment. His mindset has changed. All of a sudden, he's a big spender. And all of us kids, we know, save up all our requests for a vacation. Don't ask now. Just wait a few weeks. We're going on a trip. Ask then. And I have this really weird memory of, of being like, I don't know, maybe a middle schooler and being on a vacation and saying, hey, Dad, can I have money for lunch? Um, I saw the Snack Shack has Uncrustables, which if you don't know, are, are these like super processed peanut butter and jelly sandwiches that come packaged. And I was like, you know, I only need $12. <laughs> and he just whips out the cash and is going, to, and there's this mindset that is happening. And I, I think uh, um, a lot of mothers in the room, I, I was starting to think of like, what's a mindset that relates to you? And, and I know there's one that relates to many. Um, perhaps it's, it's known as the target mindset. 
that mindset you have when you go into Target and you say, hey, I need to go in because I need to go get some dish towels. But everyone in this room knows. You already know. You're not coming home with just dish towels. And look, you've kind of earned that, that right and that mindset to go in and to explore, right, to go see what there is, uh, to try on new things, to have some time away from the mom, 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 no, mom, mom, look at me, mom. Now you have a chance to kind of linger. So there's this mindset that's happening, and, and, and I think mindset matters. And what we're going to see today in Philippians, um, our focus is going to be on the mindset that Paul is bringing up. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Philippians 1. Uh, we're going to start in verse 27. And for these next two weeks, we're going to do something just a little different. <clears throat> See, these next two weeks, we are actually going to stay in the same passage. So we're going to do the same passage twice. Uh, and the reason being, partly, it's just, it's long. It's a really long passage. But not just that, it's a really deep passage. So it's, it's long in length, but also just in depth. There's a lot there. And so I think just looking at it once, we're going we're gonna to leave with too much left. So we're going to look at it twice. Today we're going to focus um, a little bit more on the meaning of the passage, what's going on there, primarily focusing on the mindset that Paul is bringing up. And from there, next week, we're going to spend much more of our time on applying. We'll get a little bit today, but we'll focus it more next week. And so today, we're really going to look in that mindset. And so if you are there, if you have your Bibles, and you're at Philippians, we're going to start in Philippians 1.27, but we're going to be ready to turn that page. All right, so starting in Philippians 1.27, we get this part right here. It says, only live your life in a man manner that is worthy of the gospel, so that whether I come to see you or am absent and hear about you, I know that you're standing firm in one spirit, striving side by side, one mind for the faith of the gospel. I'm going to stop there for just a second. There's this phrase that he starts off this passage with. It's a phrase he says, uh, live in a manner that is worthy of the gospel. And I got to tell you something. I feel like that phrase is super important, but it has this potential to kind of be like one of those Christian phrases we throw around. You know, the phrases that like mean something, but like also don't mean something at the same time, like bless your soul or, or, or something that, that, that has a potential to like only a certain people in the, in the know know what it means. It's kind of like, uh, especially if you grew up in church, um, you know, you were in church in like the 80s, 90s, early 2000s. We had all these kind of like phrases and, and youth groups had all different kind of names. And it was kind of like instances, uh, a little something like this that I think uh, this has a chance to become. Bless his heart. I think he's backsliding. I think I saw him drink. Yeah, but in moderation. I just wasn't seeing much fruit. He's going down a slippery slope. How's your heart, man? How's your heart? I'm just such a words guy. It was a total God thing. I'm blessed. I've been working on my testimony. Is that secular music? We're opening with a secular song tonight. Wait, is this a secular song? Isn't she secular? Which station's The Fish? 104.3 The Fish. Safe for the whole family. You know he's a believer. I think he's saved. I just pray you would give him traveling mercies. Mm. Pray for all Tyler's unspokens. Mm. Echo that. Just really like to echo Tyler's prayer, Father. I just, I echo that echo of my echo of his echo. I really feel like I'm being released from this, you know? I'm trying to be relevant. I'm just trying to be in the world, not of it. Hey, do you want to join our small group? You want to join my D group? You want to join my cell group? Community group? Access group? Accountability group? Acts 27 group? Dude, he brought it. 
He brought the word. That service last night rocked me. They're pretty purpose-driven. Yeah, it's Seeker. Don't they do Seeker service there? I feel like he's gotten really watered down. I don't feel like he really teaches the word. There's just not enough meat, you know? Are they non-to-non? We have a great Wednesday night supper. Let's invite some dudes over and fellowship tonight. We're gonna have a sweet time of fellowshipping tonight. Dude, we had the sickest fellowship last night. We're going to extreme. Velocity. Ignite. Yeah, I'm going to ignite. The edge. The dive. The bridge. The ramp. Fire. Courageous. Passion. Echo. Reverb. Noise. Velocity. Drive. Elevate. Radiate. 722. 635. 419. Orange. Blue. Yellow. Green. Clear. Neon. Catalyst conference this year. I don't do that because I feel like it ruins my witness. They did not say refuge. We're in the clear. We're in, I made sure. But if you've been around church for a long time, you kind of know these phrases, right? You've maybe said something like that or heard something like that. You kind of have this own language we develop. And at the same time, we like know what it means, but again, we don't totally know what it means. And I think this phrase has the potential to become that. But thankfully, Paul doesn't just leave us and leave the readers hanging. He doesn't just say this phrase and leave it open-ended and kind of be like, it's up for your interpretation. If you flip the page over, Paul goes into detail. He tells us kind of what uh, living a life worthy of the gospel looks like, and then he's going to give us an example. So flip the page over real quick. We're going to go look at, at Philippians 2 now as he is going to kind of build out this picture of what it kind of really looks like and means to live a life worthy of the gospel. And so in Philippians 2, we see in verse 1, Paul's adding to this, he says in verse 1, if then there is any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation uh, from love, any sharing in the Spirit, compassion, sympathy, will make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full uh, accord and of one mind. And here's where the kicker really starts getting in. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition, from conceit, but in humility regard others as, bigger, or as better than yourselves. And let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. And here's where we're going to really focus in. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ. And so we get this call uh, in, verse, or in, in chapter 1 where Paul is saying, we need to live lives worthy of the gospel. Live lives worthy of the gospel. And he doesn't leave it open-ended. He comes in verse 2, and, and he, he, he adds to it. He, he's, he's letting them know what he means. He's saying, live in encouragement. Uh, share in the Spirit. Like, you know, get in the Spirit. Lean into the Spirit. Don't do this on your own. Have compassion. Have sympathy. The same mind. Same love. We'll look at that a little bit more next week. But, but regard others as better than yourselves and do that by putting their interests above yours. Now, if you're like me, you're probably thinking that that phrase was a whole lot better when it was left open. It was a whole lot better when it was just kind of those phrases we could throw around, kind of church phrases we could kind of say. Now that there's some real meaning behind it, it's gotten a lot harder. Like, this is actually a challenge. And look, we're, we're in a church and it's Mother's Day, and, and, and we, we have this temptation to feel like we got to kind of like button everything up and, and put everything together and, and to, to come to God and like look all clean and, and like really trying and, and to say, um, you know, this is the church, this is like, this is where that stuff is easy. Like it's easy to do that. It's easy to put others first and, and to have the humility. Um, 
but let me just admit from the stage, it's not. Like, truthfully, it, it's not, it doesn't come easy. I think it's hard. Like, we know we should put others first. Like, we, we know that. That's obvious. But I think when the moment actually arises, all of a sudden our, our mind begins getting filled with, with all sorts of different thoughts. And it, it could be about the, like, dumbest, smallest thing. Like, we're at youth group, and there's only one little cookie left on the plate, and I see it, right? And I'm thinking, okay, I know I have to give it to the kids. This is their time. But what about me? Like, I'm the one working here. Will they notice? Will they care? I care. Will they care? And I think it kind of shows where our mindset is. It's easy for us to default to a mindset that is on us. It's easy for our, our, our mindset to be on, on our survival and our thriving. And it's just easy for it to, to go to that quickly. And I think that's perhaps why, why Paul ends this challenge with an example. And he ends this challenge by saying, well, the way you're going to pull this off is by having the same mindset of Christ. And that gets us to our big idea today. So if you're following along, here's the big idea, and we're going to see it play out, is that this big idea is Jesus is the perfect example. He's the perfect example of self-sacrificing love. Jesus is the perfect example of self-sacrificing love. And so in this long section, what we get, in a sense, in chapter 1 is a challenge, right? Live a life worthy of the gospel. In chapter 2, we kind of get it um, fleshed out a little bit more, like here's what it looks like. Um, but as we get through a little more in chapter 2, what we see is that Paul doesn't just go about explaining what it is that we need to do. Paul gives us an example to follow. And he gives us this perfect example in, in Jesus. And so we'll just break it down a little bit, looking at this next little uh, section. And so in verse 6, uh, what we see is this. He, he's giving us this example. He's saying, have the same mindset of Christ. Here's the mindset of Christ. Here's Jesus' story, and it shows his mindset. In verse 6, who though was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited. Paul begins this narrative of Jesus at the beginning. He kind of starts it before the beginning, even. And he, he uses this phrase, form of God. He, he's in the form of God. I know it was like maybe a month or so ago, but if you think back, we, we did that Trinity section just a little bit um, ago, and we had some of the students help out, and we were looking at kind of, in a sense, this idea, of, right, the form of God and Jesus' divinity. Um, and, and Paul is reaffirming these truths here. He's saying, uh, remember, Christ is eternal, right? He was there before the beginning. As the NIV puts it uh, here, he's the very nature of God. He, he, he's equal. He's got power. He's got prestige. He's got glory. Right? He's top of the pyramid. He's God. And yet, he did not exploit that. And I, I, I have to think for the original audience, this was, this was kind of a culture shock for them. This was something kind of surprising. This probably would have stood out. Because it, these are the first century readers and they're, and they're living in, in a Roman world and a, a Greco-Roman world with that. And, and so, uh, you know, being spiritual and believing in some sort of deity was not strange. They all did. Um, but they kind of believed in, in deities that were really selfish. 
Like, if you think back to your school days and you think about learning about, like, Greek mythology, um, those gods were the worst, man. Like, they, they did everything for themselves. Uh, they exploited people in so many different ways. They exploited each other. They used their power to try to one-up each other. And they're in this uh, time where, where they're with earthly kings and emperors and people who, again, have uh, this power. They're at the top. And they've seen time and time again that the people at the top use their power at the top to push themselves higher. And so for, for Paul to show this example and this mindset of Christ and to say, he is someone who is above them. He's above the emperor. He's above Nero. He's, he's higher than them. He's higher than Zeus. But he didn't use that for himself. He didn't push you guys down so he could get higher. He, he didn't, he, he's not out for self-ambition. Rather, in verse 7, he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form. It was not something to be exploited. Rather, he emptied himself. And I think Jim uh, mentioned it at the very beginning when he was doing this, and he was saying, I feel bad for the, basically the poor sucker who has to do this passage because they have to address this. Um, and to that I say thank you for leaving that to me. But as I was looking at it, I, I think I saw in these two words is, is a big phrase. Right? It's a big and, and deep thing we want to look at. But I think often with these two words, what we do is we actually rush past the meaning of the passage in looking for basically the of. He emptied himself of? What is that? We want to fill in the blank. We want to find the big secret. Right? He must have emptied himself of something. Was it his godhood? Uh, was it uh, his, you know, his, was his godhood, his omnipotence? Was it like his ability to whistle? What did he empty himself of? What is going on here? I think that kind of thinking, it has us miss the connection that's going on. It has us miss where this part is supposed to be connecting with the verses ahead or behind it. See, I, I don't think when we read this part, we're supposed to add the word of and, and try to figure out the secret. I think instead, if we're, if we're going to add a two-letter word, we should instead add the word by. We should instead add the word by. He emptied himself by emptied himself by taking the form of a slave and form is, is the same word used above form of god now to form of slave you're seeing this connection he's wanting you to get between these two and now look uh, you know we we often talk about how how slavery in the roman world was different than how we often know slavery um, but we need to remember it was not a desirable thing it was still not a good thing People didn't enjoy it. They didn't seek it. To, to, they didn't like love it. They're not like high-fiving each other. And what's even more is that uh, they lived in this Roman world that was absolutely dominated by status. It was just dominated by, by status and honor. That, that controlled who you talked to, where you could eat, uh, what you could do in life. It was dominated by status. And slaves had the, had the lowest status in that world. And it's not just like in high school um, where it's like, oh, you can't sit at the popular table. 
it, it controlled everything. And because they had the lower status, they could still be uh, taken advantage of and abused by people. And so I think we're seeing, in a sense, a metaphor in a sense, being played out where, where he's saying, look, he had the form of God and he didn't exploit it. Instead, he, he emptied himself. He's at the top. And he, he empties himself by, by taking uh, active humility. If we did want to add an of, I think perhaps the best thing to do would, would be to connect it to this and to do um, a lean into this idea of glory and an idea of significance and to see how it connects back to verse 3 and verse 4. Because in verse 3 and verse 4, Paul reminds us uh, this, this part of living a life worthy of the gospel is in a sense to put others before ourselves, right? Don't do anything out of selfish ambition. In humility, regard others as better than yourselves. So if he's telling us to do that, he wants to give us an example. And when he gives us an example, he gives us one that is far beyond our comprehension. He's saying, look, if Jesus is willing to do this, he's willing to give up that much, then it's a whole lot harder for us to think, well, I just need to be a little bit selfish right now. Because he was so selfless. As I was, uh, as I was uh, researching this a little bit, I actually came across a pretty interesting story um, that, I, that I thought kind of adds to the challenge we're being called to. So there was this reporter, and he's doing um, uh, an article on a job counselor, um, and this, this job counselor... Uh, she placed hundreds of workers in their vocations quite happily and, and when asked about the secret of success, like, why is this working so well? Why are you finding the perfect person for the perfect job and they're, they're helping not only the job, but they're great for themselves? Like, how is this working? How are you so good at this? Basically, what she said was, look, if you want to find out what a worker is really like, well, don't give them responsibilities Instead, give them privileges. Because most people can handle responsibilities as long as you pay them enough. You can find someone to take responsibilities. You just got to match the paycheck. But if you want to find a real leader, if you want to find someone who's really going to build into your organization, who's going to take you to the next level, find someone who can handle privileges. Because a real leader will use their privileges to help others. They'll use their privileges to build the organization. But a lesser person, they'll use those privileges to promote themselves and to get ahead. And so we see in this example that, that Jesus, Jesus has this, these heavenly privileges far beyond what we can understand. And he uses those not for his sake, but for ours. And so when Paul urges the Philippians in, in verse 4, in a sense, to do a much smaller step, he, he follows it up with something so much bigger. He's saying, look, uh, have this mindset of Christ. This is fundamentally a Christ-like mindset to live in active humility. He lived in active humility, and so if we want to have that, we need to have that same kind of mindset. Jesus had all the power, the prestige, and the glory of the Father, but instead of using those things for his own advantage as the kings and the lords and the emperors of the day did, he gave them up. Jesus is this perfect example of humility and self-sacrificing love. Well, I think we see, though, in the verse, it comes with a cost. This mindset of, of active humility and service, 
um, and self-sacrificing, it, it was followed up with a cost. In verse 8, we get this, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. There was a cost. Paul says there was, there was a cost to Jesus' mindset. And look, for him, it was, it was a huge cost. But he died for it. And he didn't just die for it. He died a, a scandalous death on a cross. To the people in Philippi, they know very well that a death on a cross is not the way to go out. They know how painful it is. They know how humiliating it is. They've seen it. And so to add that in there, they know that the cost is great. Dr. J.H., I think it's Jovit, but I I need to double check that, said something that really kind of shook me uh, as I was reading. I had this quote that says, ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. Ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. And as someone who works in ministry, that is so scary to read. Because I, I think it's so easy to say yes or to volunteer or to sign my name up on, on some sheet when I know the cost is very small, when I, when I know the buy-in doesn't take that much. Uh, but but when, when it starts to cost something, all of a sudden, ah, it gets a little bit harder to raise my hand. It's a little bit harder to sign up uh, for like VBS or something like that. But I, I think we see this Christ-like mindset Ministry that costs nothing, accomplishes nothing. Are we ready in our mindset, just like Christ, are we willing and ready to face the cost if there is one? I think that's, the, that's part of the Christ-like mindset. Here's the good news. It's not all doom and gloom. It's not just all these kind of things we have to do and, and, and the, 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 the joy and struggle. Um, there is actually just joy, too. So the passage closes with verses 9 through 11, and, and in 9 through 11, we, we've gotten this whole mindset of Christ, and we've gotten this whole narrative of Christ, um, and thankfully, uh, hopefully a lot of us know uh, the, in the story of Jesus, right, it, it doesn't end on the cross and with a cost. There is a Sunday that follows, and there's a joy that follows with that, and so in verses 9 through 11, we see this, therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. So that the name of Jesus, every knee should bend. In heaven and on the earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. At the end of this mindset, at the end of this narrative, there's still joy that follows. Saying, look, Jesus Christ is Lord. There's joy in that. Yeah, it came with a cost. It came with death on the cross. But look what followed. Now, every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess. Jesus Christ is exalted. And I think you kind of get this uh, interesting phrase where so often we think about ambition um, and growing or climbing the ladder at work or something like that. Um, and what's interesting is what we see through this example of Jesus here in this passage is that he's not ascending into greatness. Jesus is descending into greatness. He was at the top. He emptied himself, taking the form of a slave. And in descending there, he, he actually 
He's now receiving greatness. And so when, when Paul uses this phrase, live a life worthy of the gospel, he's not just kind of throwing it out there. He's not just saying join a cell group or a life group or a small group or whatever it is, right? He's not echoing a prayer. He's saying, look, I know this is going to be a challenge. I know I'm calling you to something hard. And so follow the example of Jesus. This mindset, I think, that we're being called to is be a follower of Christ, and so follow his example. And now we know we're not doing this because it's how we get into heaven, right? We know there's not like a score sheet or a scoreboard, and it's like, hey, you stuck on the path, mostly good. Um, you, you know, veered off a little bit once or twice, but you followed this path laid out pretty good, and so here's your check mark, here's your stamp, um, you're good to go. That's not the reason why. We know that's not the way. Rather, I think the message within this narrative is do it not because it's going to get you something. Do it because it's been done for you already. Do it because, you know, what, I, what I'm spelling out here, Paul's spelling out, he's saying, Christ did that. He's done that for you, right? Your debt is already paid. Now you're his follower, so now you're following after the path that's already been laid out. And I think secondly, do it because, like we see in verses 9 through 11, Christ is Lord. He is Lord. And so if we're saying we're Christians and we're following after her, there is a call to being allegiance to him. Christ is Lord. Follow after him. I think this is a, a little bit what Paul even means when he says, for me, this is uh, to live as Christ. Where he's calling, he's, he's tying these all together. What's even more than that, I, I think as, as we draw to, towards a close, I think through this narrative, we see not only Jesus' heart, but I think we see the Father's heart for us as well. We see Jesus' heart and his mindset, and we see the Father's heart as well, because uh, Gordon Fee, he said this, he said, for pouring himself out and humbling himself to the point of death, Jesus revealed the character of the Father himself. Jesus is revealing the Father Right? He's come not only to save us uh, from sin and death, but he's coming to, again, reveal the Father to us. And, and in this mindset and in this story, he has revealed the Father to us and he's revealed the Father's love for us. He's revealed the heart he has. It comes with a response. And, and Gordon Fee, he, he, he continues by saying, he not only reveals the character of God, but from the perspective of this present context of, of what we're reading, it also reveals what it means for us to be created in God's image, to be image bearers, to bear his likeness and have his mindset. I think what, what we're seeing is this, this mindset of Christ is what we mean by uh, it's ad adding on to be Christ-like. This is what it means to be Christ-like. This is what it means to look like God. From the beginning of time before the beginning, Christ had it all. He was not selfish, though. He is not a self-centered being. We're not following a selfish God. We're not following a self-centered being who's out for his own ambition, who, who is trying to one-up someone or, or, or put us down so he can be bigger. Rather, his love for others compelled him to pour himself out 
to take the role of a slave and humble himself beyond the point of death. And so we're called to follow after that same mindset, that mindset uh, that's not about that me and I need to thrive and I need to survive. How can I descend into greatness? There's still the greatness element, though. How can we follow Christ's example and how can we keep in line with the Spirit? So we're going to revisit this, but, but as we do, again, I just want to leave uh, you with two things. So as we relook at it again, and we're going to see an element, the connection of community as well, and the calls for community, I first want to leave you two things that really focus more on the mindset of Christ. For this one week, as we, as we approach uh, looking at this a second time, here's sort of this challenge for you. How can we strive to have the mindset of Christ through active humility and active service? Oh, acts of service. I was like, I didn't think I put active twice. Active humility and acts of service. How can we have that mindset in just a small way, small steps, through active humility and acts of service? Active humility. Right? What's some way through your school or through your job or, or through your home, family, whatever, uh, a way you can empower someone else? Right? Maybe you are in high school and you are at the cool table. What's a way you can use that status and 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 uh, power to bring other people in acts of service crazy idea just thought of it what if we did the dishes for mom not just on mother's day it's like <laughs> crazy that would change that would be that'd be wild mothers that would probably shock you a little bit and you'd wonder what's going on acts of service one last thing as we close. Um, when I, uh, one of the, the impacts that I've seen um, just through the lives of high schoolers is that there's often these times where you get high schoolers who have known nothing about church, they've never gone to church, all of a sudden they come to camp, they come to church, they get baptized, you see this life change start to happen, and all of a sudden their mindset changes a little bit. No longer is it's just this mindset of I'm the only one that matters and, and I got to do what I got to do and mom and dad are just there to serve me and help me. It changes a little bit. Now, again, they're still teenagers, so there, there's stuff. But it changes it enough for parents to notice. And there's a lot of times I've seen throughout ministry that parents come to church because they've seen their kids' lives and mindsets change. And so maybe just through little acts of service, we can make an impact where people notice and change and they say, what is that all about? If that can happen in the lives of some really crazy kids, I think that can happen here as well. So will you pray with me? God, just as, as, we, as we come here today, Lord, and we look at just joy, what it means to be joyful in you, Lord. I just pray that uh, you work in our hearts, you work in my heart, just in a way to see the joy that comes from, from uh, chasing after you, not only in what you've already done for us, but now to, to follow after you. So I just pray that you work in PCC, um, in the work and the ministry that is happening on the hill, Lord, and, um, and we just want to say we're ready for the cost that they may come. Uh, because we want to be a part of the work you're doing um, and have real, real progress happen. So God, we pray in your name. Amen.